Thanks for joining us today for Love, Live, Lead, the broadcast ministry of Christ Community Church in Imperial Valley. The church office is open Monday to Friday, 10 a.m. to 4 p.m. at 590 West Orange Avenue in El Centro, or call 760-337-9400 for information or for prayer. Christ Community Church has three campuses in El Centro, Brawley, and Calexico, plus a congregation in Spanish. As we navigate the end of the COVID-19 quarantine season and transition to in-person regathering, we encourage you to find up-to-date information about events and each campus's worship service schedule. When you follow us on social media, on our website at www.cccib.org, or simply download the CCCIV app, you'll find the direct link to the app at www.cccib.org forward slash get the app or when you text cccib app to 77977 i'm bringing to you the gospel this is good news and what i want you to hear is that this good news is for all people of all lands of all colors of all languages we have this tendency in america don't we to reduce the gospel to an american thing the gospel is not american the, the gospel is not just for America. This good news is for all of the world. It went to Israel first, and then the Gentiles. If anything, we're second, right? But it goes for all the world. This good news is for all people of all worlds. Now, this is what the scripture says. Jesus himself would say this in John 3, 6, one of the most famous verses in all of the world. For God so loved what? God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. Right? This is what Paul wrote. Right? He says this in 1 Timothy chapter 1. This saying is trustworthy and deserving of full acceptance that Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners of whom I'm the chief. Right? God doesn't come to the church. God doesn't come to America. God comes to the world to save sinners. That's his goal. That's why Jesus came. He came into the world to save sinners. This is good news of great joy for all people. Verse 11. For unto you is born this day in the city of David in Bethlehem a Savior who is Christ the Lord. In Greek, the word is soter, S-O-T-E-R. The word literally means deliverer. It means a rescuer, someone who will come to your side and your aid when you're in need of great help. In the Hebrew, the word is Moshiach, Messiah. Moses' name comes from this root, right? A great deliverer. Here, here comes one who will deliver you, one who will rescue you from your sin. You're in need of deliverance. You're in need of rescuing. Well, here's the good news. God has sent the rescuer, the redeemer, the deliverer for the whole world. And it's as good of news today as it was back then. Now, look at what happens here. Here's the Savior, verse 12 and this will be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped in swaddling cloths, lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of heavenly hosts praising God, praising God. The response to the incarnation was praise. There was an outburst of worship. The angelic host, look at this. There was a, 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 the heavenly host, the armies, the ranks of angels. They began to sing and to praise God, saying, glory to God in the highest. This is called the Gloria. Glory to God in the highest. On earth, peace among those with whom he is pleased. This is the very first Christmas carol. Before Silent Night, 
before Joy to the World, before Carol of Bells, before any, whatever your favorite Christmas carol is, this was the very first Christmas carol. The angels burst forth in song, praising God at the incarnation, at the arrival of the Messiah in human flesh. Praise broke forth in the heavens. But it doesn't end there with this praise. Look at, read on, verse 15. When the angels went away from them into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, let us go over to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has made known to us. And they went with haste, and they found Mary and Joseph and the baby lying in a manger. They went to find out. They went to see for themselves. Look at this, verse 17. When they saw it, they made known the saying that had been told them concerning the child, verse 18, and all heard it wondered at what the shepherds told them, but Mary treasured all these things, pondering them in her heart, verse 20, and the shepherds returned. What did they do? Glorifying and praising God for all that they had heard and seen and what had been told them. Their response to seeing baby Jesus was praise. They broke out glorifying God, praising God, giving shouts of praise and adoration and extolling the name of the Lord. That was what was elicited from their heart. It ended in praise. Now, what I love about this is in this text in Luke, you see this praise coming forth from the angels and you see this praise coming forth from these shepherds, these lowly, this lowly class of individuals, not respected in the community. But if you'll turn with me in your Bibles to Matthew chapter 2, I told you this is going to be an old-fashioned Bible study here. We're going to do a lot of Bible reading. We're going to see this response of praise coming from a completely different class of people. Whereas the shepherds were lowly and uneducated and not very respected, these wise men that we're going to read of were respected and they were educated. As a matter of fact, they were the cream of the crop. These were the men that the king or the ruler that he selected for himself and said, these men, I want to be my advisors. These men, I want to speak truth into my life. These men, I'm going to rely upon to rule well. So look at what it says here, Matthew chapter 2. Now, after Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judah in the days of Herod the king, behold, wise men came from the east. They came to Jerusalem saying, where is he who's been born king of the Jews? We saw his star when it rose, and we have come to worship him. Now, pause there for a moment. Most Bible scholars believe that these wise men, these Magi, came from about eight to 900 miles away from the area of Persia, ancient Babylon, modern-day Iraq, Iran area, right? They, they came from there. They came to come and to see what the Lord had done, right? They saw a star, and they followed this star. And there's great debate over what this star is or how this happened, right? If it was an actual physical star, if this was just like the Shekinah glory of God leading them to go and to see the, the, the one that was born. Some say, well, they're, they're familiar with Daniel's prophecy in Daniel chapter 9 because Daniel himself was one of these wise men in Babylon during the captivity. Some say, well, he, he understands that the prophecy was said that before the Savior would come, there would be a star. I, I'm not certain. I can't definitively, dogmatically say what the star was, but I can say that they responded and they were led by a star to where the child would be. And they came to Jerusalem. If they're coming to worship the king of the Jews, wouldn't it make sense to come to Jerusalem? That's the first place that they came to visit. Now, side note here, on the 21st of December, uh, Tyler was messaging this, uh, this, this little article. There's going to be this amazing view in our night sky because Jupiter and Saturn were, are almost going to align 
And this only happens like once every four or 500 years where these, these planets align and it's going to look like a great star. And they actually call it the Christmas star. Now, I don't believe that this is the particular star because actually Jesus wasn't born in the winter, right? Uh, it wasn't, he was born much later. But in, in any case, that's going to happen this year. You can see that December 21st, the Christmas star, they call it. So they come, they come to Jerusalem, and they say here very clearly, we saw his star when it rose, and we've come to what? To worship him. We came to bring our praise to the king of the Jews, to the one who was foretold of that would be born the king of the Jews. And so look at verse 3, when Herod the king heard this, he was troubled and all of Jerusalem with him, and assembling all of the chief priests and the scribes of the people, he inquired of them where the Christ was to be born. And they told him, in Bethlehem of Judea, for it is written by the prophet, and you, O Bethlehem, again, he's quoting Micah 5.2, and you, O Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are by no means least among the rulers of Judah, for from you shall come a ruler who will shepherd my people Israel. Then Herod summoned the wise men secretly, ascertained from them what the, uh, when the star had appeared, and he sent them to Bethlehem, saying, Go and search diligently for the child, and when you have found him, bring, him to, uh, bring me word that I too may come and worship him. Now, he's not really wanting to worship. He wants to kill him. He doesn't want someone competing with him for the kingdom of Israel, right? But, but he says, nonetheless, go, go to Bethlehem. My religious leaders, my council says that he was supposed to have been born in, in Bethlehem. If you had a revelation from this star that would guide you to him, go to Bethlehem. That's where you'll find the child. Okay, now, again, sidebar, in a lot of our nativity scenes that we have even today, you have the shepherds and you have three wise men in the nativity scene, right? That's not necessarily correct, okay? These shepherds, uh, the shepherds did come immediately that night, but the wise men did not come immediately right away. They had the star that guided them there, and we don't know exactly when. It could have been as many as two years later that the wise men showed up to come and to find Jesus, all right? But read on. Look at what it says here. Verse 9, after listening to the king, they went on their way, and behold, the star that had uh, that they had seen when it rose went before them and until it came to rest over the place where the child was. Supernaturally, this star guided them. That's why I don't think it's necessarily a natural phenomenon. I think that, you know, the Lord led them to this place. Verse 10, when they saw the star, they rejoiced exceedingly with great joy. And going into the house, they saw the child with Mary, his mother, and they fell down and they worshiped him. These men of great renown, these men of great education, these men who were highly revered in their culture, who were respected because of their intelligence and because of their position, when they came into the presence of Jesus and they saw the baby or the child there, their immediate response was to fall on their face and to give worship to Jesus. Their response was a response of praise. Now, that word worship, it's proskuneo in the Greek. It, it means literally to bow your face before, to prostrate yourself before someone that is greater than yourself. These great men come into the presence of a baby and they bow down before him because they recognize that he's greater than I. I don't know what tomorrow holds, but I do know how it ends. And at that glorious name of Jesus, the name which is above every name, every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. 
And here they are, they're bowing before him, worshiping and giving Jesus praise. Every single one of us will come to a place in our lives where, that, where we will find ourselves. Bowing in the presence of someone whose greatness is greater than my own, greater than our own. Have you come to that place in your life yet where you've fallen on your face before Jesus? These men, they had everything by the world's standards, but when they were in the presence of, uh, of Jesus' holiness, of his glory, of his goodness, they found themselves on their face. Have you found yourself on your face yet? In Luke chapter 7, there's a story of a woman whom the religious leaders say she was a woman of the city or a woman of the night. She was very likely a prostitute. And when you put the harmony of the Gospels together, in Matthew chapter 11, Jesus gives this amazing invitation. And he says, if any one of you is tired or heavy laden, come to me and take my yoke and give me your, your yoke. My, my yoke is easy and my burden is light. If you're tired of living the way you're living, if you're tired of your sin, if you're tired of, of living that kind of lifestyle, just come to me and surrender it all. I'll take your heavy load from you. I'll take the weight of your sin. I'll take the weight of your guilt. I'll take all of your regret and all of your fears and all of your remorse. I'll take it from you and I'll give you my easy burden. When you put the harmony of the Gospels together, Luke chapter 7 is right after that invitation. And we don't hear of many people coming when he gives that invitation in Matthew chapter 11. But in Luke chapter 7, this prostitute comes into this room where surrounded by religious teachers and leaders, the scribes and the Pharisees. And she makes her way through the crowd and she comes to the feet of Jesus and she falls on his face. And it says, the scripture says she's weeping and she's, she's crying and she's pouring herself out. And she has this, this, vast, this alabaster flask of oil that she's pouring out on Jesus' feet. And she's anointing his feet and she's wiping his feet with her hair, pouring everything out in worship. And the religious leaders look on and they say, how could you allow this terrible woman to touch you? And he says, you don't understand. The one who has been forgiven much, the same one loves much. Amen. Have you expressed to the Lord just yet that you understand what you've been forgiven of? That you understand the weight that he's taken from you? Have you come into his presence and laid everything at his feet in worship and in praise and adoration? Because that's the proper response to being in the presence of Jesus is to lay it all out. And to leave it all at his feet in praise and in worship. That's exactly what these men do. And it says here that they open their treasure boxes and they give him gifts. They lay down gifts. At the feet of Jesus, Luke chapter 2, they laid down gold and frankincense and myrrh. Gold, a gift fit for a king. Frankincense, a gift fit for a priest that they would offer this incense to God. And myrrh, a gift fit for a prophet who would go into die. Myrrh was used in the embalming process, a spice used to prepare the body for burial. Gold, frankincense, and myrrh. King priest and prophet they knew something we maybe don't understand they knew what the religious leaders of the day that the own jewish religious leaders didn't understand these men that came from persia understood that here's a man who is different here's a man who's who's anointed as king and priest and prophet and i gotta pour myself out before him 
The proper response is a response of praise. So we see at the pronunciation, there's this response of praise. We see at the incarnation, there's this response of praise. Now turn with me to Luke chapter 19, and we're going to see at the presentation of Jesus as Messiah, there's this response of praise. There's praise at the presentation of Jesus. Let me catch you up to where we're at. This is Palm Sunday as we refer to it. Jesus tells his disciples, go find me the donkey and bring it here. He's going to ride into Jerusalem on the back of a donkey. Again, this fulfills prophetic scripture. Zechariah 9.9, Jesus is fulfilling scripture. He's riding into Jerusalem on the back of a colt, on the back of a donkey. Why? Because the donkey signified that he comes in peace. If the king came in upon a stallion, it signifies that he's coming to make war. But he's not coming to make war in this moment. He's coming to, to bring peace. To rectify what was wrong. To bring pre peace between the world and man. So he comes upon a donkey. There will come a day in Revelation chapter 19. Don said, uh, Don Perkins a few weeks ago, right? Jesus will come on the back of a stallion. The back of a charger. And by then it's too late. But at this moment, Jesus comes riding a donkey. Fulfilling prophetic scripture. Zechariah chapter 9. But look at what it says here. Verse 35. Luke chapter 19. As they were untying the colt. Its owners said to them, why are you untying the colt? And they said, the Lord has need of it. And they brought it to Jesus and throwing their cloaks on the colt or on the donkey, they set Jesus on it. And as he rode along, they spread their cloaks on the road. And as he was drawing near, already on the way down the Mount of Olives, the whole multitude, everyone in attendance, thousands upon thousands of people who were there to celebrate during this time, Look at what happens. The whole multitude of disciples began to rejoice and to praise God with a loud voice for all the mighty works they had seen. The lame leap, the deaf hear, the mute speak, the blind see, the dead raised. They saw amazing works through, the, through, through their own eyes that the Messiah had done. They rejoiced God because of what they had seen. And they said this, verse 38, Blessed is the King who comes in the name of the Lord. Peace in heaven and glory in the highest. And some of the Pharisees in the crowd said, Teacher, rebuke your disciples. He answered, I tell you that if these were silent, the very stones would cry out. The very stones would worship and praise. Jesus comes in. On this day, this particular day, again, fulfilling prophetic scripture, Daniel chapter 9. This is the very day that the prophet Daniel said that Jesus would come and announce, pronounce himself, or present himself as Messiah. The very day. Think about that for a moment. At the exact moment that Daniel prophesied it would happen, here comes Jesus riding into Jerusalem to declare himself, present himself as the Messiah. And immediately, the multitudes of people, the common people, the disciples, those who'd been following. The word disciple means someone who follows. Those who had been following Jesus and had seen miracle after miracle after miracle after miracle. When he comes riding in upon this colt, they're waving palm branches and they're worshiping and praising God. They just so happen to be worshiping and praising God out of a text from uh, Psalm chapter 118. This is known as the great Hallel. Listen to this. Psalm 118 verses 25 through 27. Save us, we pray, O God. Or Hosanna. 
Hosanna, pray, save us, save us, we pray. Give us success. Verse 26, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. We bless you from the house of the Lord. The Lord is God, and he has made his light to shine upon us. Bind the festal sacrifice with cords up to the horns of the altar. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Jesus is here. Our Savior has arrived, and they're waving palm branches, welcoming their king, because they've seen with their own eyes what was happening. Their response was a response of praise. Now, the religious leaders, those who hadn't necessarily been following with the heart, seeking after truth, those who despised Jesus for taking their own authority away, the scribes and the Pharisees, they see what's happening, and they understand this quotation from Psalm 118 to be a messianic psalm. And they say, Jesus, you need to rebuke your followers because that psalm is reserved for the Messiah and we don't believe you are the Messiah. This is what they're saying. This is evidence that the Jewish faith, the Jewish religious leaders, they rejected Jesus as the Messiah. Though the multitudes were rejoicing and worshiping, the religious leaders of the day rejected him as Christ. Jesus' response How can I silence these followers? Even if I were to silence these followers, even the very stones themselves would cry out in praise and in adoration and in worship because they would recognize that their Messiah has come. See, the scripture says that even creation itself groans. Look at what it says in Romans chapter 8. For creation waits with eager longing for the revealing of the sons of God. For the creation was subjected in futility, not willingly, but because of him who subjected it in hope, that the creation itself will be set free from its bondage to corruption and obtain the freedom of the glory of the children of God. For we know that the glory of the children, or for we know that the whole creation has been groaning together in pains of childbirth until now. That at the fall of man in the garden when man fell, and, per, and, and per, was a partaker of the forbidden fruit, all of creation fell with man. And here it says that creation is groaning, desiring the day that the redemption would come. The stones will indeed cry out. So Jesus comes in, the presentation of Messiah, he comes in and they break forth in song, they break forth in messianic praise, referencing Psalm 118. They're recognizing this is the one who God has sent to be our rescuer, our deliverer, our savior, our Messiah. Just less than a week later, their tune has changed. But what I want you to see is that at the crucifixion, there's praise. Turn with me to Matthew chapter 27. At this point, Jesus has been forsaken by everyone in his life. The disciples are gone. The disciples have denied him. There's no one to follow him to the cross. He's been beaten with fists. His beard has been plucked. He's been whipped 39 times across the back. A a beam has been strapped to his shoulders. He's been forced to carry it to a mountain called Calvary. A mountain called Calvary. A Mount Calvary. And there he is. And he hangs suspended upon a cross. And he's being mocked. And they place a sign above his head. Here's Jesus, the king of the Jews. And they look up at Jesus at the cross and they say, Oh, you, you, you can save others, but you can't save yourself? If you are the Son of God, why don't you come down off that cross? If you are who you say you are, you, if, if you'll just come down off the cross, then we'll believe 
You are who you say you are. And they roll dice to see who's going to get his clothing. They gamble over his clothing. They mock. They spit. They jeer. Then something happens. The earth goes dark. This is interesting. It's as if creation knows something is happening right now. Jesus on that cross, he cries out to God in this darkness, my God, my God, why have you left me alone? My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And then the scripture says, he cries out with a loud voice, to tell us die, it is finished. I've paid the price. And then the worship, then the praise takes place. Though he's, he's abandoned by all of his loved ones, there's no one there to cheer him on. There's no one there to lend their support. Yet he said, didn't he not, did he not at Palm Sunday, didn't he say, if these would keep silent, even the stones would cry out? Thanks for joining us today for Love, Live, Lead, the broadcast ministry of Christ Community Church in Imperial Valley. The church office is open Monday to Friday, 10 a.m. to 4 p.m. at 590 West Orange Avenue in El Centro, or call 760-337-9400 for information or for prayer. Christ Community Church has three campuses in El Centro, Raleigh, and Calexico, plus a congregation in Spanish. As we navigate the end of the COVID-19 quarantine season and transition to in-person regathering, we encourage you to find up-to-date information about events and each campus's worship service schedule. When you follow us on social media, on our website at www.cccib.org or simply download the cccib app you'll find the direct link to the app at www.cccib.org forward slash get the app or when you text cccib app to 77977